Crisis podcast will touch on sensitive topics regarding the human body, sexuality, pregnancy, and all aspects of women's and people with uteruses healthcare. It may not be suitable for all listeners. I'm Kate. Hola, I'm PR. And this is the Midwife Crisis Podcast Microsode. The podcast where you learn it's not just you. This is where we answer listener emails, readdress previous episodes, and importantly, share our self-care. Today, we wanted to talk about a very difficult article that some of you may have seen uh, that was published on NBC News by Brandy Zadrozny on February 21st, 2020. Um, trigger warning for everyone out there, it does involve a field demise. The article is titled, I brainwashed myself in the inter- with the internet. Nearly 45 weeks pregnant, she wanted a free birth with no doctors. Online groups convinced her it would be okay. So if you're listening to this episode and you are not driving, go ahead and click on the episode info where we have provided a link to the article. Again, this is a very sensitive and sad subject. So be warned. Um, do you want to announce the link right now or you just want to have folks look it up? Sure. So again, I think if you go on the NBC News website, so www.nbcnews.com, um, you could type it in the search bar. She wanted free birth, no doctors, and that will come up. Yeah, it should pop up. Yeah. Um, so if you are, uh, listening at this point, you've either read the article and if you have not, we're just going to give you a really sort of brief summary. So basically the article is about a pregnant woman, um, who during her pregnancy had a long commute to work and on her commute, like many of us, she listened to a lot of podcasts. Um, and so she talks about some of these podcasts that she listened to and she talks about one that really clinched you know, really got her. Um, She was totally enamored with it. And it is a podcast called the Free Birth Podcast. For those of you who are unfamiliar, free birth, also often called unassisted childbirth, is the process of giving birth to a baby away from the hospital, usually at home, and without the presence of any medical staff or professional birth attendants. This contrasts with home birth, which is a home, which is a birth at home, but a midwife is in attendance. And so you have someone who has medical training to take care of you there. So this is without any medical professionals. Yeah. And I think um, when we think traditionally, you know, a lot of people will say things like, oh, well, no one ever used to use a birth attendant. But you sort of did because it would be your mother, your mother's mother, your neighbor, you know, someone who was still sort of there for you and would be catching the baby and, you know, working with you and getting you through it. So um, although, as we know, birth is a process and it's something that um, women and people with uteruses do, you know, we don't do it for you. We're just there. Um, You know, this is this is sort of different from that. Um, So back then, those people also, they many of them had apprenticed with other people in the community. And so you sort of learned on the job you apprentice in the same way that people in trades apprentice right right and you go and you do a number of births and you watch and you learn yeah yeah um so this uh woman was feeling very empowered by the stories told on this podcast um she mentions in the article how she'd listened to something like 70 episodes each one with these powerful women who she saw reflected herself that she saw these powerful educated women who were taking um, charge of their birth um, 
And she was also feeling scared and unheard from her previous experiences in healthcare. She mentions a couple times where she had been to um, the gynecologist or been to different um, you know, physicians and different providers and felt like no one was listening to her. Um, and because of this, she planned her own free birth at home. And she says she didn't tell a lot of people because she wanted to feel supported and she didn't want any of that negativity. And as she went well past her due date to 43 weeks, whereas typically around 42 weeks, we would recommend induction. Um, at 43 weeks, she began getting worried and she was seen at the hospital where they strongly recommended she got induced and she'd actually signed up for it, but she chose not to. She ended up just seeking support in her online groups. For those of you who aren't aware, a normal pregnancy is on average 40 weeks. And at 41, um, everyone gets a little antsy because your placenta sort of has a shelf life and it doesn't um, nourish the baby and kind of take care of the situation in the way that it had been as it ages. And so that just at 43, that's a pretty extensive amount of time to be pregnant. So during this time, she had some of the warning signs that we see in women who remain pregnant beyond 41 weeks. And um, that included less movement. When she went into labor, things became intense and she had trouble listening to the baby's heartbeat. Uh, she broke her water and she had thick meconium, which is um, when the babies have a bowel movement in the womb, in the uterus. And she knew this could be dangerous and went to the hospital where, sadly, there was no heartbeat. Yeah. No fetal heart. No ba The baby didn't have a heartbeat, yeah. which means that it was no longer living. Yeah. So that um, sort of, in general, is what the article is about. Um, this is really heavy. And first, I just want to take a moment to process this and really provide a safe space for this woman in this sad situation. Um, of course, there is no way for us to know for sure if this would have been a different outcome if she had been um, in induction or had steady obstetrical care. Um, I mean, what I, what I feel that I do know is that this is awful and we definitely want to send her lots of love because I'm sure that she has to deal every day with this tragedy. When people choose, um, when they make decisions to birth in whatever manner that they choose to birth in and even choose their birth attendants, there are some folks who won't see midwives despite our training right. or who only want to see physicians and some who don't want to see physicians. They only want to see midwives and basically everyone or who want to have home births. Everyone makes choices about the kind of care that they re they are going to receive or solicit and, um, most often, we also take responsibility for those kinds of, for the outcomes, How and, and we're anticipating that they're going to be good. They're going to be positive. They're going to end in happiness. And we are, we do send our condolences out to this person because that we have had that experience. We have been with patients who have lost their babies because they, for different and various and sundry reasons, did not survive the process and uh, it's heartbreaking, not just for the patient, most certainly, but also for anyone who's in attendance. And mm -hmm. so um, it's not something you just have a heartless attitude about and think that it's just awful. We bring it up because we feel like this is a, you know, part of our, our goal, our mission here is to also provide education. You know, we're humorous and we want everyone to kind of like the things that we do and say. But we also feel like our job is to educate. We have the credentials to do that. And that's 
why we use them. Right. This isn't sure it's entertainment, but we try to be honest about our our facts and our and the science behind what we do. Yeah. And so this, um, you know, is is not uh, this is not a typical situation. And it's unfortunately, uh, despite what many may think, it's it's not a, it's not a good situation. It's not something that we would ever recommend for anyone because of the potential, the high potential for a bad outcome. Yeah. Yeah. So when I read this article, I just felt that it's a really great example of how our current healthcare system in this country has many faults. Um, so first of all, just access to safe care. And safe care doesn't necessarily mean in a hospital. So safe care is going to look different depending on who you are, which means that every person deserves access to providers who include these patients in their care, who include the families, who provide reassurance to um, women and people um, and their partners. Um, most importantly is that people deserve to be part of their care, um, you know, to be included in their care. And I think it's important to um, be open to trying to make decisions together with your patient. Now, again, we talk about this a lot, sort of like educating patients and informed consent, which means anything that you want to do, including maybe, you know, let's say the patient really wants to go past their due date. So again, giving this patient the risks, the benefits, the alternative choices they have, maybe finding out what is the core of not wanting to be induced. Maybe they're scared of the medication. You know, I've heard people say Pitocin causes autism. So, you know, there's an opportunity for education and for, you know, providing this person with some scientific background and or some alternatives. Hey, let's try this. Let's try that to get you into labor if you don't want that, you know. Um, so so I think, first of all, there there is something kind of going on with our healthcare system. Um you know, secondly, alternatives for I, people have. Oh, go ahead. I think, um, you know, we're getting we're trying to work on shared decision making. Yes. Um, just generally speaking. But we have a long way to go. Yes. And, and as a consequence, uh, a lot of people are fearful of mm -hmm. the whole healthcare machine mm -hmm. that it just really frightens them. And so they yeah. make decisions that sometimes um, aren't. Um, you wouldn't think would be um, the best or become risky in terms of outcome just because they are so afraid and so anxious. Well, and hi history, right, is rich. And our history in this country is rich with leaving vulnerable populations um, really underserved and sometimes um, harmed. You know, and I think you've touched on, you know, how that history is, has affected the black community and you know, certainly when we look at things like the AIDS epidemic with the LGBTQIA yes. population, I mean, these are times yes. when then approaching something even that is, quote unquote, normal childbirth, um, it can be scary for people to have to trust in the healthcare system. And somehow we have to um, we're big on judgment in the in the healthcare field. Mm -hmm. And so somehow we have to get we have to we need to take judgment out of the equation, yeah. out of the equation. And so that's something that, you know. It's gonna. It takes a lot of work, but we just have to chip away at it and chip away at it. I had a patient um, recently who was over forty-one weeks, and um, she did not want to be induced. And she came in for a routine prenatal visit, and um, the baby was had some decelerations in the heart rate, so that is a sign that something's going on there. So she came into the hospital, 
and the baby continued to have that happen. And the recommendation from everyone who saw her is that you have to be induced. And she said, well, I don't want to be induced. I, I, that, that's not what I want. And I, I don't want chemicals and I don't want this and I don't want that. Just to make a long story short, it was much more involved in, than that. And so um, the more people came in and just told her what was going to happen to her and her body, mm. the she dug her heels in mm-hmm. and she said, I'm not doing it. Yeah. And I came to believe that it wasn't so much that she didn't want to as she did have some fears and some anxieties and no one was really addressing that. And in the end, it turned out that no one list. She felt like no one was listening to her. So she actually asked to go home Mm -hmm. and everyone said, you know, it it started becoming kind of hall talk. You know, she's crazy. She's just crazy. She doesn't want to go home. She wants to go home and she needs to be induced and we need to do this to her and that to her. And she says not until a certain time and so on and so forth. And so then everyone got busy and I went into the room and I said, I'm here to take care of you and I'm here to help everyone else who's been taking care of you. And this is what my job is. And so this is what our plan is for you and to keep your baby safe. Now, tell me what you think and how you feel about this plan. And then she went on and proceeded to say, I don't want it. And I said, tell me why not? Tell mm-hmm. me what's what's wrong with the plan. Because it could be something wrong with the plan. Mm-hmm. So tell me what your thoughts are on it. And let's see if we can have a meeting of the minds. Yeah. In the end, no, she did not go home. And no, she, and we didn't do all of what the plan was for her, but Basically, I bought her some time. Yeah. I said, let's see what happens overnight. We're just going to keep an eye on you and the baby. And then by morning, if things have not changed, do we agree that we're going to proceed? Because it's not going to get better for the baby. It's probably going to get worse. Right. And um, and I said, I need you to get into mother mode. Like, yeah. you're this baby's mom already. Mm-hmm. And so I need you to take over as though this child is in an infant seat next to you. What would you want to do that's best for it? Not as much as what you're thinking you want your personal birth experience to be. I know you want a certain birth experience, but also you want a really healthy child. Mm -hmm. And so right now we have a good child. Do we want to, how long do we want to risk it? Right. In the end, she said to me, um, I'm really happy that I met you and I feel like you honored um, just me as a person. No, I didn't get to do everything that I wanted. Mm -hmm. And um, she said, but I feel like you were a very good um, sort of intermediary because you talked to who her provider was who wasn't there. Mm -hmm. And um, she said, and I can, I'm good with this plan and I think it's going to turn out fine. And I'm really grateful that I met you. So I felt like I did something good because she felt like no one was listening to her Mm -hmm. and that she was being judged. And I will add that she was a woman of color and she felt like that was playing into it. Yeah. And she said, people, they're just thinking she's just crazy and she's not smart. And she said, and I am smart. Right. And she was smart. Mm -hmm. And so, um, but she said they just have a plan. They want to hurry up and do it. And I just, I don't understand. Yeah. So. 
Yeah, but I think healthcare can be a machine, right? And so right. we it works and we think of it as just this linear way, but sometimes it has to zig and zag and you got to be creative and, and meet people where, where they, they are. are. Right. That's exactly, exactly what I did. Yeah. Um, yeah, so absolutely, I agree with that. Um, you know, the, the second point I wanted to make was uh, we maybe need some more alternatives. So in many states in the United States, um, home birth is banned. Whoa. And certain types of trained midwives like CPMs are banned. Um, and so for for those families in those places, their only choice is pretty much to go to the hospital with maybe not even a midwife, maybe, you know, a physician or maybe a midwife, you know, it doesn't matter, but either way in a hospital um, or be alone, you know? Mm -hmm. And so for some people, that is a hard choice for them and they make that choice, especially if they have, you know, let's say the first delivery was in the hospital and it was traumatic for them, you know, that's a big deal. And so maybe they're so scared to walk back into those, you know, doors, they'd rather risk it at home. Um, And so I think we just, we need to do better. We need to educate everyone, our lawmakers, um, you know, every state, every, you know, on a federal level, that midwives are good care and can, you know, really provide equal or sometimes better care than what we can provide in hospitals, even in the home. Um, And that with proper training, with proper training programs, with, um, you know, financial support to get people to go to school to be to become care providers, we can get more access for people and, and just better care. Um, because it's not going to be a perfect fit for everyone. Right. Yeah. Um, and so my third piece, which is I think is what on on sort of social media, everyone was really like clinging to mm. because people can be cruel. And of mm-hmm. course, the first thing people would say is, oh, my God, h- how disgusting. How could she do that to her baby and mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. And no one in their right mind is going to do something if they think it's going to harm their baby. Not it's, intentionally. Right. So I, I think the biggest you know, piece of that was, to me, health literacy in the face of social media. It is very tricky. We all, Mm. at all points in time, have our phones. Our phones are computers, you know, so we have access all the time to all types of information. And so determining whether or not that information is accurate, appropriate, applies to you, you know, if that evidence is, if it's evidence-based, if it's science-based, that's hard to do. That is an enormous part of what we go to school for. Right. You know, and so, uh, you know, I've seen this on like mugs. It'll say, don't, don't confuse your Google result with my medical degree, which like is a little (laughs) snarky, but I also kind of get it because again, you may be a very intelligent person, um, but Part of our higher education is determining what is good evidence and what is not. Exactly. Um, and so anyone can find an article supporting what they want. Anything. Anything. Like y- this essential oil cures this disease, you know? And so anyone can find an article, but it's a good article. How many, you know, people were in it? Did they account for other factors? All of those things. So I think that is a really big deal. Um you know, and so for many people on the internet and um, for people, of course, who have had successful births unassisted at home, they're going to be huge proponents of it. Um, and again, they might have different factors. They might have been totally healthy and a normal BMI and their baby came alone at, you know, spontaneously at 38 weeks and they right. were multips and all these things that make them maybe sort of a, a better candidate for this unassisted birth. But no one is telling the reader, the consumer of this information, whether or not that 
applies to them. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think there is a difference in being successful in something and being an expert in something. And that can sometimes be confused. Um, And there's, there's no, there's no um, sort of governing body for this information, right? It's just out there. Um, So, so that is really tricky. And honestly, I, I don't know how to remedy that. Sometimes success is based on uh, just opportunity and luck and whatever. <laughs> it's, it's true. Not, yeah. So it's just really an interesting concept. Uh, and, and sometimes it's hard work, which giving birth is hard work. That's the hard work piece. But um, yeah, the stars line up right. And then sometimes the stars don't line up. And then you that you know, you're the one that winds up getting the assignment. Someone has to be in the percentage of bad outcomes yeah you don't and you try to do what you can to not make yourself be in that group you don't want to be in that club yeah anyways we're going to take a quick break now and we'll be right back discussing this very difficult topic of free birth and fetal demise greetings and this is Wine Time with Grown Ass Woman, an intergenerational conversation with Ife Michelle. I'm sexy. And Sharon Leanne. <laughs> you make me want to add a, a name. <laughs> <laughs> make sure you hit us up. We want to hear from you. Um, again, our email is gawomenspeak at gmail.com. Okay. And we are back. You are listening to the Midwife Crisis Podcast Microsode. Uh, Before the break, we discussed, um, and we have been discussing, a very difficult topic involving a fetal demise. So this is just, again, a trigger warning. This might be one that you may want to skip or listen to without your little critters in the car and that kind of thing. Um, So after kind of discussing this topic, and again, I, I recommend everyone sort of read the article. It's well-written, um, really without judgment to this woman, which I think is important. Um, and so my questions for us, PR, are, um, would you provide care for a person if they disclosed to you that they were planning an unassisted home birth? And should we ban groups like these Facebook free birth groups? You know, sh- should we, um, you know, have someone that's out there policing the group that's essential oils for healing cancer or, you know, all of these sort of alternative things that can sometimes have poor outcomes? Um, I th- I don't think we have the right to ban anybody. Like, well, some things, sure. But yeah. to be banning things like free birth groups or or from folks saying essential oils can heal cancer. And we, we know that that's all, that's fallacy. But we, you know, part of living here is that we have free will and we get to exercise it. So I'm not sure that, you know, I have to be careful because there are some things that are just, you know, I I don't abide hate. However, for the most part, we have the right to be able to speak on certain things. You just need to have the common sense (laughs) to walk away from it. Well, and I think it's absurd. Yeah. And I think in some cases, again, a lot of these people are on the defense because they they maybe need to be. And so to do something like that, to police these groups, I think would even cause maybe more fuel to the fire, you know, like, like, of course, they want to take it away because, you know, they don't want you to have this 
yeah. opportunity or, you know, it's that seen kind of as thing. mind control and yeah. conspiracies yeah. and things like that. So and I don't think it would help. Probably. No, I don't think that it would help either. And I think that, you know, I think everyone does know that we have free will. But I, I like I really do believe that you need to be well informed. That's not being well informed, I have to say, because it isn't the science. And if you're not a scientist, then you don't know the science. I, I just believe in that. Um, this isn't like Abraham Lincoln, where you become a lawyer by reading a lot of books. <laughs> and so it, you don't become a scientist by just, you know, um, lurking the internet or whatever. So that that's sort of my personal opinion about that. It may be right, maybe and may not be. Um, would I provide care for a person if they disclosed that they were planning an unassisted home birth? Um, I don't. You know, that's a really good question because my thought is that I would prefer that you at least had good prenatal care mm -hmm. um, prior to giving birth. I can't control how you wind up deciding to give birth. I had a patient once who I did provide, I think, decent, very good prenatal care to. And then one morning she called me at home. And I thought that was a curious thing because I never gave her my home number mm. and I was getting ready for work. And she said, can you come to my house? And I said, no. And she said, I had the baby and um, <gasps> oh my gosh. I, I need I need some help. So I was wondering if you could come to my house before you go to work. And I said again, no, I can't do that. And uh, she's I said, how did you have the baby at home? And she, I said, you need, if you need help, you need to go to the hospital right now. Like call 911 and go to the hospital. I said, and who caught your baby? And she said, um, my partner. And I said, oh, interesting. And how did, how did you guys know? Like, what, do you know what you were doing? And she said, yeah, we read, we read up on it. So <laughs> we were, we were real quick. She said, we were planning this all along, but we, mm. we didn't want to say anything because we knew that you would probably object but, um, and, you know, you were getting paid for what you, the part that you were doing as though it was about the money. It yeah. wasn't about the money for me. But now we're having a little bit of problem. So we were thinking maybe you could come and help us out with that part because we feel like we made a bond with you. Um, and so I said, I'm flattered that we feel that you feel connected. So hear me, our connection, like hear me out. We are connected call 911 and get to the hospital mm -hmm. and solve that problem that you're having, which it was a problem. And I said, and I can't come to your home and I'm not going to come to your home because I'm not, you've chosen to do something that then I cannot be responsible for what occurs subsequently. And so she said, okay, I understand. And eventually they made their way to the hospital mm. and had, had their little issue taken care of but the baby was fine yeah yeah the baby was fine but i think that that's interesting because they were planning the whole time to have an unassisted yeah. birth and yeah um but I, i'm back to thinking i would like i would prefer that you at least had solid prenatal care yeah and i would constantly probably try to discourage you because of all my fears about obstetric emergencies mm -hmm. but i you have free will so that was my exact thought as well. I had seen on a lot of different sort of comment sections on this um, on this article where people were saying things like, you know, I would never provide care for that person. And I was like, well, my thought is 
each and every time you see this person, it is an opportunity to educate, support, reassure. You know, you never know what you're going to say or what you're going to show this person in your care that's going to maybe build some trust and make them think differently, you know? And, And again, this is so separate than home birth because again if you're planning a home birth with a certified professional they are assessing your home they are making sure you have all the supplies they are checking on you and baby i mean some people th- sort of associate the two and they are not the same this is just someone who just decides how their baby at home now there are people who just have their babies at home one of our good friends a midwife accidentally had her baby at home because yes. sometimes babies happen you know <laughs> and you know she still called 911 and like traveled by ambulance to come in and get assessed and, you know, maybe needed some stitches or, you know, that kind of thing. I was not providing her care, but she did come to the hospital. And it's, you know, it's one of those things where do babies happen unattended? Sure. Are they okay? Lots of times, yeah. Because lots of times if those babies are coming, they're just coming. That being said, um, it may not be the safest thing for everyone. And, and that distinction and how to help people maybe understand what makes them either a really great or really poor candidate for that is part of what you would be able to do if you were seeing them for right. these visits. Exactly. Um, so yeah, so my feeling was absolutely. And, and you know, people worry about litigation, which is not not to bat an eye at. It's a serious, serious thing in our business. Um, but you would also have every opportunity to document, you know, all the teaching and all of the discussion that you have with the patient and what was encouraged and that kind of thing. What was discouraged. Yeah. And I think that um, you're doing a bigger disservice to shut them down. Yes. And and to say, I don't want any parts of you. I don't want any parts of your care. And that's that's shutting people down. That's not meeting folks where they are. And like you said, you're losing opportunities to convince them and to educate them about a different way that might lead to a better outcome. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a really, it's a really interesting, very touching and uh, interesting topic. We have so many in our, in our uh, backpack (laughs) of midwifery. It's, it is, but if this has happened to you, you are not alone. You're not the only one. And um, if your outcome was good, we salute you. And if it was not, um, you know, we hold you in our thoughts and our, our emotional care. Um, Speaking of emotional care, um, I'm switching gears a little bit. Uh, we gotta do it. We gotta self, do it. <laughs> self care corner. Every time we made our we made our um our voices heard permanently. We were like, we're gonna do self care corner each time. And so we're gonna talk <laughs> about how we have loved ourselves in the past few weeks or however long it's been since our last episode. <laughs> so, anyways. Okay. Uh, tell us, what have you done to take care of yourself? Yeah. So I think um, in this, we've talked extensively about sort of the demands and the rigors of this job and what it entails. And a lot of that is time away from your family. And so my self-care has been and is coming up just having some time with my kids. Um, my kids had school break. And actually, I sort of determined for their own self-care that they might benefit from a couple days off of school and took them out. And we went to go see my family and visited my parents. And it was so amazing to just be mm. with my kiddos. You know, my partner um, wasn't able to come, but it was so amazing to go back to my parents' house where, you know, my dad cooked 
meals for us and whatever I wanted to eat and, you know, made the special waffles and all that kind of stuff, you know, each and every day. And, um, you know, my mom did all my laundry and she, uh, she like, you know, fuzz buzzed the crotch of all my running (laughs) pants where, where my thighs rub, like just all the kind of things that like only moms can do. Um, and yeah, I got to be with my kids and and spend really like quality time with them. And and it was just so, so, so nice. And I'm going to do so again this weekend. And it is so wonderful. I think for a lot of us that have families, have kids, um, they're so special. And in the everyday, it's stressful and we're tired and you're trying to like get your shoes on, you know, get in the car, you know, all that kind of stuff. And you're just kind of like, so to be able to have some time where those everyday and having fun, laughing every day, exactly where those everyday stressors are, are really lessened, um, is like a blessing and a privilege. And so I'm just so thankful I've gotten to spend some time with them. And I look forward to this weekend too. Very nice. Um, my self-care is you, well, our listeners don't know this, but my kitchen is undergoing renovation, which has taken twice as long as it should have. <laughs> Sink came and it was broken. Cabinet came and it was broken. That kind of thing. Back and forth. Not like HGTV at all <laughs> um, because they don't go over calamities. And so, hence, my house looks like, um, well, if you came inside, you would call the cops. (laughs) You'd be like, you've been robbed. And you're like, no, no. Ransacked. (laughs) Bamboozled. Something went on in here. And with all of that, this past weekend, I packed up my little weekend bag and I took advantage of the invitation of one of my besties to go to Martha's Vineyard and the four of us drove up to the ferry and hopped on a boat and rode over to um, the island and spent the weekend, a long weekend, just talking and um, laughing and eating meals and having wine and snacks. And it was really cold and that's okay because it was quiet and not busy there. And it was just a, a sort of decompression time and I did not worry myself at all about the state of my home. I just enjoyed the moment and the people that I was with. And I'm really grateful to them for giving me that space. Until we came back and they said, I have to pee really bad. Can I come inside your house? <laughs> Whoa. I said, well, you have to sign a waiver. <laughs> but I, I don't want you to pee in your pants. So. Yes, you can come in my house. No, th- these are really dear friends. So I, I don't fear being judged by them. And if I am, <laughs> it's too bad. That's okay. Yes, that is okay. Oh, man. Anyways. Yeah. Good well, times. that's awesome. I'm so glad that you got to do that. Yeah, me too. And, and I desperately needed it coming off the flu yeah. and just going right back to work and pounding it out. Anyhow. I think that concludes our show for today. Definitely. We had a good time. We'd like to thank Baobab Tree Studios, our friends, family, and all of you who make this podcast possible. That's right. And if you have something to add, something to share, if you read this article, you want to give your two cents. If you want to tell us what your self-care is, anything like that, please, please, please reach out to us. We absolutely love it. Um, Be sure to subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, Android, and now iHeartRadio. Yay! Yay! Or wherever you listen. Make sure you like us and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at the Midwife Crisis Podcast. You can also send us messages there or direct messages. Or you can email us at Midwife crisis podcast at gmail.com um i have gotten actually a few emails or we have gotten some 
emails recently that felt a little bit more personal. Mm-hmm. Um, so please also include if you reach out to us whether or not it's okay for us to share um, or if you want us to take your name out or anything like that because we do love to share those things with you guys. Um, but I have taken pause because I thought, ooh, I wonder if this person actually wants me to share this. So, um, right. so remember, definitely. Go ahead. No, well, so I was going to say, so definitely let us know that. But please also, if you're listening out there, even just to say hi, give us give us a little uh, a little hello because we like to know that you're out there. Definitely we do. And we want you to remember that it's until the next time and always that it's never just you. So even though those folks who want to keep it personal, keep it confidential, it's not just you. That's right. And also trust your gut and leave a little bit of room for science. Adios. Bye.